All right. Well, here we are. Hello and welcome to Diceless Dungeons. Hello. My name is Simon, and I am your resident dungeon master for the day. And I am Winnie, power gamer and social manipulator extraordinaire. And uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, an issue that plagues uh, not just D&D, but pretty much any tabletop uh, role-playing game. And that is uh, Game Master, Player, Antagonism. In other words, uh, when Game Masters and Players don't just don't get along. And I think this is something that's very prevalent in a lot of games, even functional games. Like, obviously, if it gets too bad, you're just not going to be able to play. But even games that are functional that continue to meet week after week, it's really a an aspect of a game that can really drag it down, especially over time, and ferment people being very unhappy with each other. And games ending, and that kind of thing. Uh, and there are a number of reasons that uh, this kind of, like perpetual uh, game master player antagonism can take hold of a game. Uh, but from my perspective, as a long time, many, many year long game master in a many different systems, uh, a lot of it can come down to uh, players feeling constricted by the actions of a game master. In other words, uh, this can be story railroading or also feeling like their ideas just aren't being included. Nothing is more frustrating for a player than just sitting down to a table and feeling that you can't really contribute to the overall lore of this story. You're just kind of there for the ride. <laughs> You're just there to be talked at, yeah, basically. Not allowed to participate. Because at their heart, uh, players want to be able to control the story of a role-playing game, a tabletop role-playing game, which I think is fair. Mm -hmm. I mean, when it really comes down to it, a tabletop role-playing game is... Uh, it's a cooperative story. It's not a one-man show, or it shouldn't be a one-man show. Uh, it should be everyone working together. Yeah, and uh, there I've played with many D DMs who have thought it was a one-man show and just kind of, like, uh, use the opportunity to basically, you know, hold their friend group hostage and tell them this really cool story that they they worked out and like that that's it's not really fun as a player you you want to have a, a more of a sandbox world to do things in like as a dm you should be looking for every opportunity to to cater to what your party wants to do in this world that you've set out for them it should be more of a, a, a give-and-take relationship. Yeah. The, uh, and, you know, so there's, there's, there's a couple aspects to this. There is the fairly well-known uh, story railroading that I think many people that play these games are familiar with. That is when a game master will just, uh, regardless of the player's actions, they'll just force the story to go in a certain direction. Like, the players, they have an idea of what they want to happen, and uh, and then the, the players will start murdering people. I suppose that's the classic example. The players will start murdering people, or cause a ruckus in town, or just go in the opposite direction of, uh, of what the uh, Game Master wants them to do, and then the Game Master gets angry or upset, uh, and basically forcibly steers them back. In the worst cases, just saying, no, you can't do that, you do this instead. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the time when discussion about that comes up, it, it turns it on the players and says, well, the players, 
should be willing to work with the DM and do what the DM wants them to do. Uh, I've been told this before. It's like it's the player's responsibility uh, to work with the game master because the game master has a story and the players should go along with it. However, I actually don't think that that's the best way to handle that. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, the thing is, is that uh, players like to feel like their ideas are being included. Players like to feel like what they do actually matters, like what they do actually shapes the story. And so when you deny them that perpetually, when they feel like they're being denied that in a forceful way, they're going to keep struggling against that control. Okay, classic power gamer move. I hadn't really quantified it until like like just now, but okay. So a thing I would do, like we would all do, everybody would come to the table after you give us a level, we would go to the table with an attempt to bushwhack you with a move that you had no idea existed. That is what we tried to do every time we leveled up. And that was, like, basically our only form of rebellion. <laughs> Just, like, trying to make the most stupid, not fun, like, game-breaking character possible. And, like, yeah, I mean... <laughs> It worked. It worked a lot. You got mad a lot. <laughs> You're like, oh, come on. Fuck you guys. No, stealth never works. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, stealth is a stealth is a whole other problem. Uh, but I think I think, uh, you know, you, when you start a new group, let's say you're starting a new group, a new uh, a new a uh, new group in Dungeons or Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons or whatever, whatever system you're playing in. Uh, you sort of, you start from this neutral position, right? You like players and, and DM don't really know each other yet, unless it's a old hand group. But if let's say new players, new DM, you start from this neutral position. And from that neutral position, there's a lot of really fun stuff that happens. Like P players are new. They're trying new things. You know, the DM, the DM usually wants things to go well. So... They, so the the DM allows a lot of leniency uh, and allows the players to get away with a lot and do a lot of fun things. But what tends to happen over time is that uh, is that the the DM tries to increasingly assert control over the game over time. Yep. Uh, and <laughs> it, well, you know, it's the Dragon Ball Z problem. <laughs> like you know there's no tension unless there's a stronger enemy out there and eventually you know once we've beaten up all the village toughs and the bandit camps around town there's got to be like a death knight or something like a real threat that you have to threaten the group with and that is usually when problems start happening like you know players are overconfident and have no sense of the scale of what monsters can legally do in in these established D&D canons. Yeah, so things have like you you get to the bigger threat. Uh you want to introduce bigger threats for the for the players to overcome. And the thing is is that uh you know what what I wanted as a dungeon master or a game master was to create a world a scaling world. Like a world with scaled threats. So that would mean 
threats you can fight now and then threats that are unapproachable, these great powers, right, that are you, know, are you can't fight, are impossible to fight, basically, for the players. They're just unapproachable and they're too powerful um, and they're scary. And once you try to start creating that scaled world and you start putting hard restrictions on what players can and can't do or are and aren't allowed to fight, uh, it starts creating a lot of frustration for the players because they feel like all they can do in a lot of situations is run away. Their only option is to run away and keep running and never get to f getting to fight these grand threats that you've created in the game when you're trying to create this broader, more expansive world, you know? It really gives you a sense of helplessness as a player. Like, like all this cool shit is happening, and it's just, it is essentially just for flavor, and you're supposed to just go as the wind blows you, which is like, um, yeah, uh, I, I think a good, a good example is like, in a major town, like a major city, if the players cause a ruckus or, like, the thief, God help him, tries to steal something from a shop, you have basically guaranteed a death sentence because of the way <laughs> fantasy governments work. I mean, you know, there's always going to be an evil wizard chancellor essentially, who can, like, fucking teleport behind you, behind you nothing personnel kid, and, and cut your throat. And then, like, you're done, because that's how a fantasy world is going to basically play out every time. The people with actual power will be in power, because they can, you know, mind control you and shit. Yeah, there's, you know, it's like in fantasy governments, you know, the the, the people that have the political power and the authority are going to be the people... That are the level twenty, you know, fighters or whatever, you know, no, or, no, or, no. or 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 they're gonna have, but they're gonna have magic users, magic users. Okay, but they're gonna have powerful people at their disposal. Yes, and so I think that really it's this it's this sense of restriction, this feeling of being restricted, is I think the core of a lot of antagonism between players and game masters, and I think that restriction comes in several forms. Um, because it comes, it comes in literal railroading of the story. That's one. And then another one is the design of the world, this unapproachable sense, these threats that are unapproachable that you have to run away from. Um, but I do think there is a solution to both of those problems. Um, I mean... <sighs> Part of it is buy-in in in terms of in terms of let's 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 focus on story railroading, right now. Um, I think you can have groups where someone has designed a set story and people play along that set story, and if it's made very clear at the outset that there is a set story that you're going to play, and there is not and there's not going to be room for deviation. I feel like there's this. A lot of a lot of game masters want to play out a set story, but then pretend as if you there can be variation when there really can't be. And this is and this ends this and so the and so then the players want to do their own thing whenever the opportunity presents themselves, and that ruins the story that was designed. Mm -hmm. So if you have a linear story, just let your players know that it's a linear story, and they're going to be playing along a linear story. 
you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just, I mean, as a player, I want to defy that. I'm like, oh, f- fuck you. Like, why am I, why am I going to sit here and just listen to you tell a story that you've written out and then I have to play my part that you've also written for me? I, I instinctively want to buck the system. And I think that comes down to pride, <laughs> which is a huge problem at the D&D play, uh, table because it's like my OC is better than your OC. My Mary Sue is much more powerful than <laughs> your Mary Sue. And that's really what it boils down to, I think. Uh, a lot of the the frustration and the hurt feelings that come in with D&D is the antagonism of of the DM being like, "Oh shit, I uh, this 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 character I wrote is really cool. He's super scary. He, he's fun. Oh man, this is gonna be great." And then you, you you cut over to the 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 hero of the story who has a big sword and has used the big sword to fight all of his problems pretty successfully. So you know the new threat comes in and he's like, hey, "You gonna disrespect me, son?" <laughs> and then of course the DM is like contractually obligated to execute the player on site. Which is a problem. Or, you know, come up with some contrivance that, you know, takes away all of his weapons and abilities to do anything. Throw him in prison. Fucking hostage situation. It's... But, I mean, there, there are groups There are groups that are willing to play along a linear story. Sure. I have experienced this. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy playing linear stories myself. I feel like that defeats the purpose of a game. Because, really... Really, when it comes down to it, Dungeons and Dragons or any role play tabletop role playing game is a collaborative storytelling experience. And if you're playing a linear story run by one person, that takes out the collaboration a- aspect of it, and I yeah. think that really limits the fun you can have in the game. Um, it's it's all about communication. Like the idea, uh, a a huge thing with our group in particular was like we would always be keeping secrets. From you mm-hmm. so like we would be making these grand machinations and like trying to to come up with ways to like fool you or like like try to work you work your npcs into our traps and like then we would spring them and then you would be like it doesn't work because you hadn't you you had no forewarning of of this huge thing we were trying on a storytelling scale like and and of course since you didn't have ways of like compensating or like or or, or like you you didn't have we essentially sprang and a surprise episode on you and you're like eh, no yeah (laughs) we're gonna do the thing i wrote fuck you and and which makes sense because why would you just suddenly like switch to a hard free form whatever when you had all these cool things planned yeah and and that leads into what i think is the better solution rather than getting buy-in for a linear game. And that is uh, really just having a culture of honesty mm. in your game. Yeah. And when and when I mean honesty, that also includes, uh, you know, this is like, you know, whether you like improv or not, the, co- the, the fundamentals of improv, you really make an effort. You have to shift your thinking to whenever the players do something, 
you encourage it and you build on it. Yeah. And the thing is, is that if you work with what the players do and you encourage them to do it and, and you build on the stuff they do, they will reciprocate by not screwing up your game because then they feel like what they want to do is being accounted for mm -hmm. and being compensated for and being included in the story. And so as soon as you start doing that, it really is a remarkable change. I mean, I played in an antagonistic relationship with my group, with you, uh -huh. for years. <laughs> years and years and years. And, uh, and eventually... <laughs> Uh, eventually it got to the point where we weren't going to be able to keep playing or something had to change. A couple things changed. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the things that changed was we, we changed the game we were playing. Yes. Uh, well, I was thinking the hard ban. We banned a problem player. And it's, it's, <laughs> I think it's something worth talking about, Simon. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta air out all the, all the, the dirty sheets. We'll play, we'll call him Player X. Player X. Okay. Player X. Well, <sighs> I mean, yeah, that, that was part of the reason that things started going better. So it's not, yes. it's, it's, it's difficult to take, <sighs> to take him out of the story. Yeah. So Player X, Player X had opinions about how games should go. Yeah. And it's, I mean, so let's call him like he was. He was a suicidal player. Yeah. Yeah, in his own way. He, so. He, he wanted games to last five sessions max. Like entire campaigns, he wanted them to last about five sessions. Yeah. Well, you know, I was talking about a, tr a, a culture of trust and uh, how it works out really well when uh, you just encourage people to do their own thing and build on what they do and cr create this sort of reciprocal relationship between players and game and, and the, the game master that doesn't always work. Yeah. It doesn't always work because if you end up with a player that... Is so desperate for power and attention... <laughs> That they are willing to, to ignore, like, I would say a very natural instinct of self-preservation, which is an important aspect of any character in a game. <laughs> like, you gotta, you gotta respect the sanctity of life, says the berserker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, the problem is the the problem is is that this comes down to a very important uh, aspect of the game uh, for for a player, and that is, uh, you know, when it really comes down to it, it's it's the spirit of collaboration. Mm -hmm. It's knowing that yes, it's a contrived story. The game is a contrived story. Yes. This isn't a natural situation. This isn't like, this isn't real life. This isn't a natural situation that develops on its own. You need to put work into it. Simon, I love your stories. I love every, like, they're amazing. Uh, one of his, one of Player X's main complaints was that you aren't a professional. Like, you didn't write out this entire campaign and account for every single possible uh, uh, plot hole and because of that you're trash <laughs> so yeah. 
So, 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 fuck you? <laughs> well, well, the thing is, is that there is this belief that is, I cannot oppose more than I do. I hate this. I hate this belief with a fiery passion. And that belief is that your player should get to do whatever he would quote unquote realistically do in any situation, yeah. regardless of the game or the people you're playing with. You're entitled to do whatever you want with your character as you think you quote unquote think your character would act. Uh, regardless of, you know, the idea that you're playing a game, a cooperative game with other people. Um, and that attitude just kills games. Yeah. It really does. Single-handedly, that attitude destroys tabletop role-playing games. I don't know if there is an attitude that is more harmful than that. Yeah, because, you know, in the end, it's really your... You, the player, is deciding what your character would do in the main... in the first place. So, if you're making... It, this really boils down to the problem of making a character with the intent of player versus player or betraying your party, which was Player X's favorite motherfucking thing to do. <laughs> it was the only thing he did, if I remember correctly, in every every game? Every game. Well, he and he didn't he didn't start out that way. He didn't start out with that attitude. I mean, he had he had echoes of it when he first started playing in the group, but it got definitely got worse over time. Yep. Uh, as games started ending, go yeah. figure. Um, and I'm partially at fault because I, I didn't prevent his behavior because I wanted, you know, I wanted players to let players do what they wanted to do. Well, we all had we had we all had distinct like play styles at that point, and we hadn't all. Power gamer, fucking Galen was, lol random guy, and Jackson didn't come until way later, so I don't even fucking know. Yeah, so it's like, at the end of the day, um, you have to be willing. Like I say, I say cooperation, uh, and. It works. It really works. But everyone has to be willing to enjoy cooperation. Mm -hmm. And if a player doesn't enjoy the cooperation, if because cooperation requires compromise, really, when it comes down to it. And player X did not compromise. Yep. Uh, it, it, it wasn't even that he didn't. So he didn't compromise on the table, but then he made it personal and would attack decisions you would make outside of the game which just made it you know uncomfortable and not as fun yeah which is like really really the ultimate compromise players have to make is just like yeah dm gets last say otherwise what the fuck are you doing yeah but in a proper relationship there you really shouldn't even have to have that discussion no uh you should really just be like you should really be able to the players should be able to swing with what the what the DM does, and the DM should swing with what the players does. And that doesn't mean, really importantly, this trying to just incorporate players' ideas doesn't mean that you don't get to tell the story you want to tell. But you, this this sounds this sounds like a like a like 
a tricks, tricky, uh, unauthentic thing, but you need to have the veneer of accommodating the players yeah. is the important thing. Because, you know, it's all a fantasy. It's all a fiction. Um, you know, the DM is ultimately in control of everything. Yeah. But if the DM at least shows acts like he is willing to incorporate the player's ideas and have that change the story quote unquote while not really changing anything it doesn't really change the greater structure of the game they're playing um it makes the players happy and it makes the game way more fun it makes for a much richer story if if everything is if the players are allowed that leeway to to influence surrounding events and you know uh, i made some very strong statements earlier and i'd like to 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 clarify that the dm should absolutely punish things that are stupid jackson for example jackson's uh, love of walking directly into situations that you have been like sounding the siren on for for a, a straight 20 minutes like uh, any magical trap that Simon makes, Jackson will want to walk into because did he oh, did he admit to why that was? It, it was defiance, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a kind of defiance. I think I, I, I we talked we talked we had a conversation about this at one point, and as I recall, it was basically he he just he wanted to. Yeah, he wanted to challenge me in a way, not in like an antagonistic way, really, but he wanted, he just, he wasn't, he's not willing to back down. Yeah, so is, it, is the key. it is an antagonistic way, which is, which is fine. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's good that he acknowledged it. It's really good that he acknowledged it. And I've noticed a distinct lack of, of magical sink wells in the yeah, American campaign yeah, yeah. since that last one. <laughs> Another insta-death for Jackson. Yep. Go figure. Yep. Um, Every time. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously. But, and so it's, it's, so what that means is it's sort of like the scenario where you'd say making a ruckus in the city. If the players just make a ruckus in the city, then the DM should, like, the, should yeah. roll with that. You know, it's and, and, like, make an interesting story thing out of it, not just punish them for it. <laughs> the SWAT team is outside. Yeah, they were, <laughs> they were having lunch across the street. And you're now dead. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, if there is something that the DM has loudly trumpeted, yeah. I think it's not illegitimate to punish the players for going against that. Um, I mean, any good storyteller w would describe dangers that they would be, the players would be approaching at any point that death would be, you know, an option. Like, if we're marching up on, like, a dis display of the Royal Guard, the entire army is on march, and we're just like, ha ha ha, poop. <laughs> and then hit the, the high commander in the face. Yeah, we should probably die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but really, and, and I say, I, and a little while ago I said veneer, but honestly, uh, these days, uh, my entire stories... My entire stories revolve around what the players do. I have basically given up planning my own stories at this point because the wonderful thing about p players is that if you just allow your story to develop from what they do, they do most of your work for you. Like what I love, well, basically anytime a player does something, I, I look at it and I think, okay, am I going to take that and say, you were right. You're so smart. Here, 
I reward you for being so smart. That is how it is. Or I subvert it and say, oh, you thought it was this and actually it's that. Mm -hmm. And that makes for a great story. Yeah. Um, because it also makes it look like, you know, it makes your story feel really rich because the players are actively engaging with it and it feels like there's these twists and turns all the time when you do it that way, right? Yeah. Um, and that's just a really good way to do the story. So, I mean, in my personal opinion, less pre-planned structure is the, – the less pre-planned structure is – is the better in terms of uh, DM storytelling. Well, I think the reason our current campaign is so successful too is because like we have been, it's been like, I don't know, five, six years of backstory. So we know the world we're in and that helps the players that helps the players like interact with it and plan for it way better. So like a certain amount of, of plot dumping and railroading is necessary in, in early games. You just have to keep the scale of influence down while your players are quote-unquote low-level or not very powerful and, and, like, use that time to establish canon. <laughs> yeah. So I think when it really comes down to it, the bottom line, when we're talking about relationship between players and, uh, and DMs, the players have to be willing to cooperate. Uh, and I think it's, and honestly, you know, that's it's an unfortunate thing because like you're playing with your friends and people you know, or like you really want the game to keep going well. But at the end of the day, it's pretty obvious who's willing to, who, to, to collaborate and who's not. Mm-hmm. If you really just look at it critically, even though it's it can be it can be difficult to admit that because you want everything to go well, but it usually is pretty obvious. Uh, and if you're playing with players that are willing to uh, to cooperate and collaborate, then just do them do them a solid and really make their ideas feel heard, fulfill their dreams. Yeah, like when I run, when I ran games, it was like pure fantasy fulfillment. I would not have anything written. I would have, like, the overarching main plot lines written. And if they do this specific crazy thing, then they will unlock the next giant plot point. But most of it was just like, yeah, what do you do? Oh, man, shit. Yeah, you buy space nukes. Holy fuck. <laughs> that, was, that was a good move. You guys are so smart. <laughs> and, I, and I would say that's that's a really fun game, and I had a great time in your games. Uh, pure that, as just a side comment, usually ends up being pretty short games. Yep. But if you want short and sweet, uh, truly relinquishing all control and allowing the players to be as absurd as they want, that is a really great break game. Mm -hmm. If you've been playing a long campaign, grinding out. An entrenched campaign. Yeah. <laughs> then just pure, pure wish fulfillment power fantasy is an entirely legitimate way to play a game. Yes. So. I think so. It's so interesting to me that Player X was, like, such a great DM. Like, just once we did relinquish control and, like, bent to his every whim, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, that that is that is a sort of, like, that is a silver lining to the story of Player X, actually, is that his, his games were really cool. Yeah, because he helped with my horror games, and then he did the solo Harry Potter thing, which was just fucking legendary yeah it was incredible i loved it yeah. um 
So, of course, he doesn't run games anymore, but... Yep. <laughs> you know, I have hope, but all hope is dead. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, feed your players and your players will feed you back. Yep. I think that's the moral of this story. Yeah, maybe just be friendly with your friends. And if you have ideas of where the plot should go, go to your good friend and be like, hey, I kind of want to do bleh. And more than likely, your DM will be like, oh, shit. I will incorporate that or shoot you down, but give you an alternative and tell you why. And like, it just, oh, it's just, it's just so satisfying when you approach people, <laughs> when you approach a DM outside of the game and try to get stuff done and get the ball moving in a plot sense before the next session even starts. It's a really good feeling that is entirely mutual, I think. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. Uh, closing thoughts? Um, man, I, uh, honesty is key. You gotta, you gotta fight that power gamer inside you because, like, why, it is more interesting if death is on the line. <laughs> Making an unkillable player is, is not as, as good as it, <laughs> it could be. I, I feel so bad about my power gaming in the past. So, learn from my mistakes. Don't do it, kids. <laughs> Just say no. Just say no to Berserkers in 5e. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, I would, and I would say just, yeah, remember your players. I mean, either your, your players are your friends more than likely, and if, they, and if they aren't, treat them like your friends. Yeah. Uh, and don't shoot down their ideas and what they want to do just because you think it's going to ruin your game because it isn't unless you make it ruin your game yeah ultimately the players rebelling against you nine times out of ten uh the reason it goes so badly is because the dm made it go so badly yeah. from the consequences they feel like they have to place on it from from the the player's actions so be friendly be nice go figure that's that's a key to a lot of life anyways i think uh i'm gonna be signing off here so i'm gonna say sayonara Goodbye, friends. Until Be good to your friends. <laughs> yeah, until Come next on. time. Thank you to Kevin McLeod for the use of his music in the intro and outro of this podcast. You'll find a link to the specific track used in the description.